And welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines the response to life itself and all it entails. Today, I'm your host, Bula, and I'll be talking about a very special book by a very special person of the name Dr. Derek Prince. Do you enjoy our first song, and we'll go straight into it.
So who was Dr. Derek Prince? He was a Bible teacher whose daily radio program, Derek Prince Legacy Radio, is broadcast around the world in various languages. For most people, specifically Christians, they know that Dr. Derek Prince has had a huge influence on the theological knowledge of the Bible, and especially different teachings on how the Bible is applied to a Christian's life. And so a little bit more information about who he is. He worked at the Faith Tabernacle in Chicago and moved to Good News Church in Fort Lauderdale in Florida. In May 1971, Dr. Derek Prince Publications opened the offices in Fort Lauderdale in Florida, and Derek Prince Publications became Derek Prince Ministries in December 1990. The Prince has traveled extensively in ministry until his wife Ruth died on the 29th of December 1998. The following list of countries covers their ministry from 1993 to 1998. Some of these countries were visited more than once, so the list goes as follows. Russia, Germany, Kazakhstan, Hungary, South Africa, Kenya, Indonesia, Malaysia, Singapore, Turkey, Poland, Bahrain, Cuba, Colombia, Switzerland, France, Portugal, India, and England. He is the author of 51 books, 600 audio, and six, and sorry, 100 videos, many of which have been translated and published in more than 60 languages. Some of the subjects that are covered in his teachings are prayer and fasting, foundations of the Christian faith, spiritual warfare, God's love and marriage and family. His daily radio is translated to Arabic, Chinese, Cantonese, Mandarin, Chinese, Swatao, Croatian, German, Mangalasi, Mongolian, Russian, Tamil, Samoan, Spanish, Bahasa, Indonesia, Tongan, Telugu, Mayalam, Kannada, Hindi and many other languages. The radio program continues to reach many people around the world. So what does that have to do with anything and why does he necessarily matter in this specific situation? So I have a book called Blessing or Curse and I recently received it from my teacher. I often exchange books with her. So she's actually retired. She's 85 this year. But I often visit her and we go through different books that she's read and sometimes we make an exchange. So I've recently given her Surprised by Joy which was an autobiography of C.S. Lewis. And she had just finished up reading this one, and it was very coincidental because this whole theme running through of blessing and cursing, or curses rather, uh, has been quite prevalent. So the book states that blessing or curse you can choose, and it's freedom from pressures you thought you had to live with. On the back of the book, it says that, are you continually frustrated by sickness, financial pressure, strained relationships, or perhaps accidents happen to you or your family with perplexing regularity? Do you wonder why some people seem to get more than their fair share of success and fulfillment? Derek Prince suggests that two forces are at work in every life, blessings and cursing. Uh, one is beneficial and the other harmful. To enjoy the benefits of God's blessing and to be protected from curses, we need to understand how these forces work. Prince shows dramatically that a curse is not a superstition from the Dark Ages. He draws on real-life experiences of people who were astonished to discover that they were not the victims of blind chance, or even hereditary. Rather, the problem was a curse that might have originated in a previous generation. Most important, Prince shows you how to recognize a curse at work in your life and helps you find release and God's blessing. Derek Prince, a former Cambridge professor and internationally recognized Bible teacher, has written more than 30 books, including The Appointment in Jerusalem and God is a Matchmaker. His daily radio broadcast is in nine languages, as we've uh, already read through. And at this point, his wife had not yet passed on. I'm just going to go into a little bit of the book itself, because 
it was quite funny because I was finding it difficult to read the autobiography of C.S. Lewis previously. I felt like it was kind of becoming a bit monotonous, although yes, it was his life. And that is very intriguing as to why he had come to the conclusion of his changing faith. Um, but as soon as I picked this book up and started reading it, there was a, a great magnetism almost to, to finish it. Uh, I haven't been able to yet finish it, but starting off with the section one, uh, I thought that this specific page, actually, the first page, really tied it up really well. So I'm going to go into the introduction. It says that it could be you and your family or the family next door or the person who works with you. Whoever it may be, his or her life is a history of disappointments, frustrations and even tragedies. Somehow the story never ends. Conversely, we all know that families who are similar in background and social position, yet trouble never seems to touch them. They're almost too good to be true. And in both cases, invisible forces are at work to determine each person's destiny, whether for better or worse. The Bible identifies these respectively as blessings and curses. Furthermore, it shows us how to relate these forces in such a way that we can enjoy the beneficial effects of one and, perfect, uh, and protect ourselves from the harmful effects of the other. A scriptural understanding of both blessings and curses and how they work will give a totally new perspective on your own life and an answer to problems that may hitherto perplexed and frustrated you. The current page that I was on, uh, on page 36, I'm just going to skip over a little bit forward. It says that Numbers 5 verses 11 to 31 describes an ordinance used to determine whether a man's wife has been unfaithful to him or not. The appropriate prayers and sacrifices are required, but the focus of the ordinance is on a cup of water, into which the priest mixes dust from the floor of the tabernacle in ink, which he scrapes up from a written curse. The woman is then required to drink the water. If she is guilty, the outworking of the written curse will be manifested in her physical body. Her belly will swell, her thigh will rot, and the woman will become a curse amongst her people. That will be the punishment for her sin. In this case, the cup of water is the vehicle through which the curse is transmitted. If the woman is innocent, on the other hand, she will not experience any harmful effects. In this way, God will have vindicated her righteousness, and her husband will not be free to bring any further accusation against her. Her innocence will have protected her from the curse. The various instances given above establish one important scriptural truth. In certain circumstances, both blessings and curses can be transmitted through physical objects. On the other side, if we turn our attention to biblical practices, to all the various forms of false religion and the occult, there is virtually no limit to the ways in which physical objects can become vehicles of curses. In Exodus 20 verses 4 to 5, in the second of the Ten Commandments, God explicitly forbids the making of any kind of idol or image for religious purposes. And he warns that those who do break this commandment will bring judgment not only on themselves, but also on at least three of the following generations. You shall not make for yourself any carved images or likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. A wide range of objects comes under this ban. In my own case, which I have already described, and he had spoken about the embroidered Chinese dragons exposed to him the invisible influence of a curse. So going a little bit back, he had spoken of his uncle who had uh, received this very valuable embroidered Chinese dragon. And he had it on his wall. And there was a period of time where, you know, after looking at it and having sort of good memories about it because it was from his uncle who had done some military work and gone overseas. And he had kept it as something to have almost as a, an heirloom of some sort. And there was a point where he had, so, he had seen a, a really 
terrible running theme of things just going wrong after a long period of time. And it was just a continual downward spiral. And there was a point where he kept praying and, and fasting and asking God, what is the occurrence? What is the problem? And he always saw this dragon and it was always something that in his mind he started recognizing as being a problem. He had gotten rid of it at one point and then he started seeing the flourishing of his life. Once he removed something that was a physical object representing the generations of curses of our false worship, specifically this dragon, in his own home and he had seen the release of that being supposedly impacting the spiritual realm. And he said that nevertheless, they represented something that had been an object of idolatrous worship for many centuries. They opened a channel into my home for the evil power of pagan worship that had been practiced for millennia. Looking back later, I noticed one particular effect that these dragons had on me. Not merely were they a barrier that kept me from moving forward in the blessing of prosperity. They even kept me from seeing that the blessing was actually there. Only after I was free from their influence could I discern by faith what God had prepared for me. Since that time, I have observed the same effect in the lives of many people under a curse. The curse not only keeps them from receiving God's blessing that he's offering to them, it also keeps them from realizing that the blessing is there to receive. Only when the Holy Spirit shines the light of scripture into our lives do we begin to understand how the devil has been deceiving and cheating us. So I'm going to go into the second song and then we'll just wrap all of this up. But so far, I would just like to close off on what it is that the book itself, how the reading of the book has really influenced me. So do enjoy the second song. I know it's difficult, but, you know, the odds really are in our favor, man. Uh, things just ain't the same for gangsters. The whole world's changed, everybody's a stranger. These young dudes running around saying they bangers. Quit the low bangers, the click and bang you. And I done seen too many teens chasing a dream. End up bloodstream, contaminated and fiending. And now they leaning on words that he said or she said, we said. Look at him, he dead. See, we ain't never know Martin Luther the King. Most of us probably couldn't tell you much about his dream. We like Malcolm X, cause Spike made the movie. And we saw him strapped up with the AKs and Uzis. So excuse me, you trying to connect you. A whole generation is raised by gangsters who probably never knew Pops. We had Tupac and old Boombox chilling in our tube socks. And plus Dre taught us how to roll a 64. And Snoop Dogg taught us how to roll a sticky drove. So if they want to reach us with Jesus, they got to do better than some screaming preachers. Yeah, because homie, we don't believe you. We see grandmas ride by these cold knees with heaters. Huh? So we skeptical. It's easier to believe that there's a heaven for a thug that mess with you It's hard to rise Hey, shout out the Ninth Wonder 
No, you ain't gotta ask. We both on the same page like a paragraph. And all music ain't the target of discussion, but it seems the radio has got a problem playing substance. Listen, partner, they lying to us. They selling pies to us. They teach us how to be gangbangers and iron shooters. I've been where you been, seen what you seen. Move up with old dog, look at me on the screen. But Nas was street dreaming, Biggie was still breathing, and cash ruled everything around me, creaming. Folks trying to make the good life the good life While they in the birds wishing us a good night And some rappers teach us how to gin check them But I still ain't heard a song about being movie directors We in your hood, man, we been where you been Been stabbed, been shot, been been in the pen Difference is now when we pick up the pen We articulate how God has made us all better men I'm a college graduate, yes, some God-fearing role models With daughters who do not aspire to be pole models You are not what the media impose on you God made you any rose for you, so you rise. So basically, just to close it off, the book itself is really enjoyable in the way that it is written. I really appreciate the author's descriptions and how he uses specific scriptural references, breaks every single part of it down and ties it into the whole theme of the book. He does it very accurately. And I think that it's a really enjoyable thing to not only read, but also be informed by. And really, the thing that struck me out is when my teacher had passed it on to me to read, she said it is life changing. And many times people can say that about books, but really, this is life changing. It will change your life if you read it and understand it. And just the last thing to take note of it, it's something that you do need to chew through. It's not an overnight read or a, a fun thing to be entertained by. But I do say that the way that it is written is something that you would enjoy reading reading nonetheless. So that's all from me. I do hope that you enjoy it. I encourage you to pick this book up if you ever get the chance and I hope you have a great day. Cheers. Divine, end of the age, that's the time, yeah Second Timothy 
This is Ready On Demand. What you want, when you want it. It's Active FM. Active FM.